Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. This week, game designers Peter Gusis and Michael Kelly will review a cooperative game and have a related design discussion. Hey, I'm Peter, and I'm here with Mike. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our year-end episode, although we're in the beginning of the year instead of the end. I think we tend to do that, though, right? Like, I think our year-end episodes always end up in January for whatever reason. Well, and we had a year-end podcast last week. We had a year-end streaming episode. I did two year-end videos. Colin's doing one on the channel next week, I think. So it's fine. <laughs> we we get to sort of uh, eat all of December and January with lookbacks at 2021 and how the games were. Well, I feel like a lot of it happens when we get a game at the end of the year. We're like, oh, I really want to squeeze that one in because I think it'll be high on the list. I don't remember what games those were this year, but oh, no, it was a PAX episode this year. Yeah, which tends to push it back, too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But we're very excited. We're going to talk through another year of podcasting and we're going to uh, rank. Peter and I covered 20 games again on the podcast. That, That stays pretty consistent since we do an episode every other week. And then we do a bunch of random podcasts, too, like this one in the PAX one. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. That. Well, it's just interesting to consider that we still only do about 20 podcast reviews a year, whereas you and I have done way more YouTube videos <laughs> this year than in the past. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. So what you're saying is we haven't dropped off in our podcast production, but we've just added more work to our uh, workload. And we have one game coming out very soon and another one going up on Kickstarter soon. So, yeah. So what you're saying is we're overworked. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, everybody, before we uh, get into the episode, we want to thank some of our amazing Patreon supporters. This week, we're thanking Jay Rutledge, Joan Avalos, and Timmy Boykid. So Jay, Joe, and that's probably Joan, actually. And Timmy, uh, thank you all for your support. And if you didn't know, we've added uh, some pretty awesome perks to our Patreon. We now have two or more exclusive pieces of content every month. And these are not like our main reviews and playthroughs. We're not trying to like kind of take away the stuff you would have normally seen. These are just entirely fun and bonus things. Like Peter and I ranked our top horror movies last month. I had both my worst crowdfunding games and my worst regular games of 2021 last month. Because uh, I didn't want to put those on the main channel, but I thought the patrons can deal with that kind of negativity. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's really some amazing stuff. So please, uh, if you are able to, if it's not a financial burden for you, consider supporting us through Patreon. We'd love to have you. And if you can't do that, feel free to leave us a review on iTunes, subscribe to the YouTube channel and the streaming channel. Uh, all of that helps out. So what you're saying is the patrons get our hate. They get horror. It's just nastiness over there. Hey, I love horror. I don't know if there's <laughs> hatred in your heart with horror, but I'm I'm absolutely happy with those movies. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a fun episode to do for sure. All right, Mike. Well, you know me. I love stats. I actually found out when we started the podcast, by the way, <laughs> which for like for the last couple of years, I've totally forgotten about. But this year, I actually have the date because thank you, SoundCloud. <laughs> so do you have any guess let's start with the year do you know what year we started the podcast i want to say like may 2017 boom look at you holy look moly at, you, you've drilled it in my head multiple times every year so i finally memorized it <laughs> yeah may 19th 2017 so we're actually coming up on five years this year if you could wow. believe it wow and then first year downloads i mean i, I want to quickly go th- through this because you you, yeah, I, I have no frame of reference to say them. <laughs> uh, so 6,779. The only reason that number is significant is because we're sitting here on January 3rd right now, three days into the month, and we are almost at that exact same number. 
in three days. <laughs> so an entire seven months. So when people start podcasting, YouTubing, whatever else, they're like, oh man, I just can't build an audience. I don't know what's going on. Well, guess what? It uh, <laughs> it grows over time. It really is just a matter of sticking with it because literally in seven months of podcasting, we had as many downloads in that first year as we have in almost three days this year. Wow. So there you go. That went up from about 6,700 to 52,000 the following year, then 89, almost 90,000 the next year, then 141. Then last year we had over 216,000 downloads. So we have crossed the half a million download mark. I did not realize that. Wow. But just, I guess, over the last week, <laughs> we, have, we have crossed over half a million downloads all time. Good job, listeners. You did it. This is your accomplishment as much as ours. <laughs> yes. Now, let's go to top episodes. We got an oldie in here. Is our episode zero still big? No, no. That, you know, that was never at the top tracks for whatever reason. I don't know why. Episode 146 is our top episode. Gloomhaven? No? And you weren't on it. <laughs> oh. Uh, I mean, that's clearly why it was so popular. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I know Nemesis was big for a while because like, they kind of pumped their audience into our direction. You were pretty right to start with. It's Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion. Oh, I think that okay. was me, Liz, and Jeremy on that episode. Our next biggest is PAX Unplugged 2019. So you wonder why we're doing PAX episodes? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Followed by our top 20 solo games with Liz from Beyond Solitaire. And I'm guessing I wasn't on that one. Um, that's episode 120. Top 20 solo from 2019. I would bet I was not on that one if I had to guess. But okay. I, can't, I can't quite tell from here. I'm 90% sure that was me. Oh, wait, that, that was uh, me, Liz, uh, Kevin, who does the list every year, and Jason, I think, that year. Nope. Featuring yeah. Liz from Beyond Solitaire. She's the only name on there. Oh. So, so Liz is in more of our top episodes than you and I are. As, as it should. Be. <laughs> I mean, like, so there you go. Uh, no, Liz wasn't in the uh, PAX recap. So what that tells me is we need to have Liz on more often. Apparently, you guys tune in for Liz. Then our episode 119, Best Cooperative Games of the Decade. This is one I thought was kind of fun coming up. Uh, then episode 200 was the next one, uh, Ultra Quest. That one's still very high. Episode 193, Top 10 Things to Know About Board Game Design. That's our number eight episode oh, of all time. That's very interesting. I'm, I'm happy to hear that because I'm, I'm never quite sure how much of our audience is here for the design discussions and how much is here for the reviews. Because I hear from a lot of like actual board game designers that we listen to and talk to that they enjoy the design discussion. But I, I wasn't sure if like the layman who's not actually des designing games uh, had fun with that. Yeah. And to round out the top 10, we had regular Gloomhaven episode 14. I would be embarrassed to go back and listen to that one myself right now. But... We kind of crushed Gloomhaven, in fact, but then both gave it very positive overall impressions. But we definitely had a lot of design issues with that one. I mean, and I, I still agree with that. I think Jaws of the Lion was better in most ways. Yeah, I agree with that. And then to round out the top 10, Lord of the Rings, Journeys in Middle-Earth. Huh. Who knew? All right, so now we're done with episodes. We're just going to do a couple more fun things, and hopefully people like this. Nobody's ever complained, so... Uh... <laughs> I'm on the edge of my seat, Peter. Keep the statistics coming. Let's just do the entire episode. Who even cares about the top 20 games? <laughs> no. So, all right. Let's look at top cities because this is always a fun one. Do you have any clue what our top city for downloads are? And I never would have guessed this. Not in a million years. Not with a million of other people's guesses. 
I'll go with New York City, I guess. Nope. It is not in the U.S. Oh. Uh, uh, I'll even let you guess the country that it's from. And you probably won't get that. U.K. Nope. Germany. Nope. Oh, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's over a hundred more or a thousand more downloads than any other city. Uh, China? Nope. I have no idea. <laughs> it's from Brazil. It's Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, Rio. We're going to go. So everybody out there that's not from Rio, step it up. Followed by Portland and San Fran and then Sydney, Australia. What's up, Australia? Then Chicago, L.A., Seattle, Greenwich. Greenwich's always up there. Greenwich? You should Greenwich? Probably- I think it's Greenwich. G-R-E-E-N-O-C-K. Oh, never mind. That is not the city I was thinking of. <laughs> In England. So I think it's Greenwich. Huh. So then San Jose, Melbourne, Calgary, Columbus, and Toronto. And Toronto is obviously a big game design city. Columbus as well for origins. All right. So let's go to countries. Number one. This should be obvious. United States. Yes. <laughs> 301,000 of the over 500,000 downloads are from the United States. All right. Do you have any clue for the next few? Great Britain, because they speak yep, English. Yep, UK. Yep, that's right. <laughs> Brazil, maybe? Apparently. Brazil is not there. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So almost all. So of Brazil's over 11,000 downloads... About 8,000 of them are from Rio. (laughs) So Rio's carrying Brazil right now. Literally, the rest of the country isn't even half of what Rio's doing. So just a couple more, and then we'll get out of here and get onto the the meat of the episode. So what do you think? A couple more. I don't know. Germany. Germany is number one, two, three, four, five. Good job, Germany. I feel like I'm on Family Feud. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Like trying to pick the top answers. Uh, And... uh, France. I know we got several France people. So France is, oh my gosh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Oh wait, uh, Canada, Canada. We got a ton of Canadians and and they speak English as well as French, yeah. That is correct. So Canada is number three. So it's US, UK, Canada, another English speaking country next. Uh, I don't know where they speak English. (laughs) I should be more geographically astute. I think you would know this. Wait, Ireland? That's separate from England, right? (laughs) <laughs> it's Australia. Is oh, Australia. That's right. That's right. You said that. Then Germany, then Sweden, Brazil, Netherlands, Denmark, Norway round out the top 10. So we got a lot. Netherlands, Denmark, Norway, right in that uh, Scandinavian area right there. And then Switzerland's right after France. So that's number 12. Look at that. Good job, Europe. That's right. All right. Well, that was, it's always fun for me to look at this. You know, not everybody is stats driven or not everybody's whatever. And again, I don't care. Like too much. Like I do think it's kind of fun to look at, but it's not like I'm like, oh darn you, whatever country is not listed on here. <laughs> um, you know, it's just fun for me to see. I I more care about who's at the top. I think that's fun than like you know who's not on here. Because I, I who knew I I didn't realize. I guess I knew gaming was big in Australia, but I thought it was more miniature gaming. And Sweden, Brazil, Netherlands, Denmark, Norway. I would have never guessed were big uh, board gaming countries. I mean, I, I feel like all of you are board games a lot. I mean, I, I guess that's probably a ignorant <laughs> assumption, but that's somewhat boring out here, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you keep going. Belgium, Spain, Ireland, Czech Republic, and then New Zealand right afterwards. So, yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's fun to see where in the world is gaming. And unfortunately, sometimes where in the world isn't gaming as much. 
Well, or they just don't like us and they're gaming a ton. <laughs> I mean, that can't be possible. There's no way. No, no, no. <laughs> All gamers enjoy us and vice versa. We, we are a perfect match. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, they love statistics. So who knows? Maybe statistical countries will now join us based on all of my statistics that I just <laughs> either thrilled you with or bored you with, depending on how you want to look at it. But you ready to get into our top 20 list? Yeah, man, let's do it. All right. We're going to start from the bottom as we normally do with the worst game of the year. That's not actually true. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, like this whole, well, we'll get into this, but I think this whole year was pretty good. Like my number 20 is not a bad game. Maybe maybe you feel differently. I don't like my number 20 or 19 games. Oh, okay. The rest of my games I feel are pretty good, but flawed either in general and for me. And that's, so there's a couple caveats to this list. Number one, not every game came out this year. These are games we reviewed this year. So that is a key thing to remember. The other thing is, these are our personal opinions. Mike and I opinions vary drastically from year to year as far as what our top games are. So these are personal opinions. I, I have a feeling my number 17 is going to raise some eyeballs. If you can raise your eyeballs, look up to the sky, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best. Yes. Raise some something, raise some alarms, suspicion, whatever it is. Anyway. All right, Mike, with all those caveats out of the way, what's your number 20? So my number 20 is Keyforge Adventures. Oh, boo. And to be very clear, this is specifically Keyforge Adventures. I have a lot of fun with Keyforge. This is one of Peter's favorite games. And I've only played the official content. I know Peter uh, got contacted by somebody and he has like tried out some of the fan-made content, which I think is probably better. But one out of the two uh, official co-op solo modes for Keyforge, which by the way, I should say Keyforge is like a competitive 1v1 card game with uh, pre-constructed decks. And then Keyforge Adventures was something that Fantasy Flight added on for free. It's a free print and play. So, you know, it's nothing to complain about too much there. They added that on to play with solo and co-op. But one of the two doesn't work very well at different player counts. I don't think any of them are very fun at uh, higher player counts. I think they're best for solo. And I just think it, it feels very grafted on. It feels very tacked on. It like cards don't work the way you would like them to. Cards in your deck can be dead. So while I totally enjoy Keyforge, I don't know if I would ever choose to play Keyforge Adventures when I could play like an actual solo or co-op game. I'd rather just play competitive Keyforge with Peter and then like play something solo or co-op for that time. So yeah, again, not a bad game and I like Keyforge, but Keyforge Adventures I thought was what it was, just a somewhat slapped together <laughs> co-op solo mode. I hear you. It will definitely not be at the bottom of my list. It definitely won't be at the top of my list either. We'll talk about it more when we get there. And actually, one other caveat before we go, because in the past, we had always done these rankings just based on co-op play. Did you kind of mix it more this year and did your top game of the year, regardless of co-op solo? Did you ever consider whether it was more co-op or more solo when you were doing this list? I considered them all generally for co-op and solo. I mean, okay. well, th th there's a few on here that are only solo. So I didn't like penalize them for not being co-op, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I don't think I put I mean, we'll, we'll talk through it. But yeah, I, I don't think any of these are like I will only play the solo and the co-op sucks. You know what I mean? Right. Or if they were that way, then that impacted my rank. Yeah. And I am the same way because in the past we had said we're only rating these on co-op. But this year I did more of a merge because I played more solo this year. So for me, this is a little bit more of a merge list. Like, how do I think about it overall? Would would I play it? And some of these games, especially as you get toward the bottom of my list, I think do have very specific player counts that I'd want to play them at. But my number 20 is Cradia Wild Hunt Festival. Oh, really? 
yeah, I didn't. I did not enjoy that game. There's nothing that made me want to get that game back to the table. I mean, I think you should go listen back to your own podcast episode because that is not how you felt when you talked about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. But looking back, you know how it goes. You play something, you're into it at the time, and then as time goes on, it's where shows on you. Right, but you didn't play it anymore in then, so I don't know what you mean by where. I think you just forgot the parts you liked. <laughs> but that's fine. No, I, don't I remember it's playing like super it. Super high on my list. It, it's not. It's not like that one game that I for, totally forgot what it was about a couple years back. Crady is definitely one. I remember not at all enjoying my co-op experience with it. I thought Solo was fine, but like when I was done with the review, I quickly sent it back to you, and I never had regret for doing it. I never sure, wanted sure, to sure. bring it to the table again. I mean. I don't think it is a bad game. I did not enjoy playing it. I know it was very puzzly, and I know there's another game that's much higher on my list that's actually very similar. And maybe the reason this one's so low is just when I when we put them in comparison to each other, mm-hmm. it, it's not even close in my mind. Yeah, yeah, there's no, one I definitely want to play, and there's one I'm like, it is a fine game. I don't need it in my life. <laughs> so <laughs> that would be Cradio Wild Hunt Festival. All right, man. So I guess that's my number 19 then, and it is Regicide. Okay. This is fine. Uh, It's interesting that both of my first two games are the only quote-unquote free games. Well, I guess Keyforge Adventures, you have to buy a pack, but certainly the solo co-op is free. Regicide has played with a 52-card deck, and you're like fighting against bosses. And it's fine. I I like it entirely fine. It It is something that I could pull out if I had a regular deck, and I think the art for the actual like deck that they sold is beautiful. But yeah, I, I found it uh, very incredibly swingy, like you would win or lose based on kind of how the cards came out. And uh, once I played it a few times, I felt like I had seen everything the game had to offer. Uh, so yeah, I, I thought it was just fine. Yeah, that'll show up on the next part of my list. But for my number 19, I am at Night Cage. I did not enjoy this game at all. There was no time that I played it that I enjoyed it. Maybe if I listened to my review, I was more positive on it. I doubt it. Yeah, this one, my daughter loved this one. So actually, thankfully, you took it back because for a while there, she was asking to play it all the time and I did not want to play it. It was just flipping over tiles, seeing what happened. Like, I don't know. It had way too clunky rules for stuff that shouldn't be clunky. I I don't know. It it was fine, I guess. But I I did not like it. These are two games I will happily not play again. I know you were much higher on Night Cage than me. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. The rules are clunky and I I still don't know if I'm actually playing the rules correctly, but my, my children also love it. But I also enjoyed the plays. That's a thing. Whenever they asked to play it, I had fun too. So yeah, it's certainly higher for me. But I I agree. It's probably one of the clunkier games on the list. Which is weird because it should be pretty straightforward. You're literally just drawing a tile. You're saying, I'm going here. You draw a tile and you see what happens. And remember, I told you, I found the uh, the print and play rules and they were clearer. And I was like, how did you you go from a better rule book (laughs) to like the officially published one when the publisher got involved? I don't know. (laughs) Well, and yeah, the funny part is that the gameplay didn't really change that much, but the rules became less clear. Yeah. So who knows? But those are the only two. That's the end of my negativity. I'm done with negativity. We're going on to better things. And actually, I'm surprised my number 18 is as low as it is, but you got to do yours first. So what's your number 18? Mine is Marvel United. Okay. Uh, This is one that uh, Steve absolutely loves and Colin and Barrett are pretty big fans of. So it's definitely got a lot of love in the OSCS group. But uh, yeah, for me, I I only played the core and I did not find, I I thought it was like a decent little puzzle of playing out the cards. And I did like the mechanic of sharing things. And I'll say freely that Marvel United, while not like mechanically inspiring our Mega Man game, it certainly like weight wise was something that I was looking at and playing with our game in mind. So I found it useful to play. But yeah, a big thing is I I love variety in characters. 
and the heroes feel like barely varied at all. Like, yes, they have different mixes of cards, but I don't care. I want to like feel unique and special, and I didn't. The bosses in the base game didn't feel as varied as I would like either. I hear there are better ones in the expansions, but why am I going to throw more money at a game that I'm not enjoying much? And really, the death knell for it was I bought it for my son. I was like, look at these awesome Marvel miniatures. These are characters you like from the Marvel movies. Let's play. And he hated it. <laughs> so Yeah, my kids didn't like it either. Yeah, I was like, yep, and the solo is not good out of the box. You need to like use house rules to make the solo work. So yeah, this was a miss for me for my family and co-op, and it was a miss for me for solo, and it's certainly not heavy enough to play with the gaming group. So I don't know who I would get it out for. And honestly, now that I'm talking about it, it probably should have been lower, below Regicide. <laughs> but whatever, too late. So Marvel United is my 18. So my number 18, you will probably be shocked. You would probably think this would be at the top of my list based on my love of all games in this genre. But there's a very specific reason it's this low on my list. And actually, I mean, it depends how you want to rate it. I would probably play it actually above the next like five or six games. But I have it this low for a reason. And that's Crime Zoom. Oh, no, no, that doesn't surprise me. I, I, I know you like those like mystery games, but I thought that was a weaker one in terms of the ones we played. It just didn't feel like you had a whole lot of choice or anything else. It felt like you were reading a story and then answering questions at the end, which I do like doing that. But I don't know. I I just didn't see much game there. And that's the reason it's this low. Now, again, it is more playable in my mind than some of the ones above it. And again, at this part of the list, it gets pretty good. And, And I mean, I made fun of 19 and 20, but I think they're still good games. I don't think any games on the list this year are bad. You know, in the past, I think we've reviewed bad games. I don't think any of these games are bad. I think they all have an audience. Just it's against a lot of good games this year, as you had said earlier. And so I don't think it's any indictment on Crime Zoom in and of itself. I will happily play more Crime Zoom. But compared to the rest of the games on the list, it's pretty low. Yeah, no, I mean, that's it's coming up very soon for me. And I'll I'll agree that with all the stuff you said. But before that one, uh, number 17 for me, and this is going to be way higher for you, is Adventure Tactics. And this is number 17, not because of a design, which I think is actually quite good, but because um, it's just not something I wanted to get to the table. I found it a bit onerous to like level up, which sucks because the leveling up is by far the best thing about the game. I found the bosses frustrating, and especially compared to another game on our list, KDM, I found their uh, AI to be kind of brain dead a lot of the time and not that interesting. And there wasn't like enough like terrain to kind of vary up a lot of the boss battles. And then like there were some weird things and walkiness with the branching paths of the campaign. But I love the leveling and I think the card play was pretty interesting. It's just there was enough awkwardness there that once I had played it, it's kind of like what you said for Acradia. Once I had played like enough to review it and had seen like uh, most of the campaign, I was like, yep, I never want to play this again. This is just <laughs> it, it was a headache for me to get it to the table. Right. And, and, I, and I, even though I know it's going to be higher for you, Peter, I don't think you've played it since we covered it. So I think uh, maybe you, uh, some part of you deep in your soul agrees with me that it's tough to table this one. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it when we get there. <laughs> All right. So my number 17, which I know is going to be way higher for you. So this is an interesting reversal of fortune here. You put a game that is going to be near the top of my list as 17. Now, I think I'm going to put a game that's going to be near the top of your list. And again, I think it was just a good year. And I think you'll be surprised that it's below a couple of these games that you really didn't like. But number 17, and this is very much a personal thing, is Final Girl. Okay, interesting. I did not love the hostage negotiator system. I played it a lot. And don't get me wrong, I would happily play it again. But there's so many co-op or uh, that's the problem partially is that it's not a co-op game. It's a solo game, even though you can play it with other people. There are so many more solo games that I'd rather play that it just I, I don't see getting it to the table again. 
and you know, I'm sure I will when expansion content comes out or whatever else, but this is very much a personal choice. I know people are putting this at the top of their solo list for the year, but for me, it's a fine system. I enjoyed my plays of it, but it doesn't sing to me for whatever reason. And so I know this is a personal choice, so I don't want to like kill it. But like I said, I mean, this was a tough year. It was a good year. And some of the ones above it, I could probably have put it above some things, but the other things I want to play more, in all honesty, and that's why it ended up where it did. So my number 17, Final Girl. Yeah, and, and there are ones that if you had said right there, I would have been more upset. Final Girl, I'm fine with you putting that at <laughs> 17. So 16 for me is Crime Zone, so barely higher than you, Peter. And yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. It's it's barely a game in that you always get to see all the cards. They don't have any kind of timer unless... I, I think... Somewhere I read that you can like try to get a quote unquote higher score by flipping fewer cards to solve the mystery. But I still really I love mystery games and I like answering the questions. And one of my favorite games uh, for mystery deduction is Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. And while that is way better than Crime Zone and does have the possibility for kind of interesting insights and figuring out where to go and stuff. They both have the same thing where there's not really a timer. And whenever you want to go, you just go and then you see if you can answer the questions. So I I didn't mind that too much. But yes, it is certainly weaker than a lot of these like small kind of series of games. You know, if I'm lumping it in with like Unlock and Deckscape and that kind of stuff, I would certainly rather play any of those before I would play this one. But at the same time, I would buy more of these and I would play more of them and then pass them around. Where would you put it with the adventure games? Uh, That's a hard one because I love the dungeon. I liked the monochrome ink. I despise Volcano, like where I didn't even finish it. But uh, somebody on our Discord was telling me that the fourth one is good again. So I think gameplay-wise, the adventure games are definitely more interesting. But they also have more issues. Whereas Crime Zoom, like, hasn't had any translation issues in the two I've played. Like, everything was good. You know what I mean? Like, it played the way it's supposed to play. Yeah, I think I'd rather play Crime Zoom at this point. Just because, as you said, the track record's better there than it was for the adventure games. You know, it's funny, if Crime Zoom had come out 10 years ago, I mean, maybe even less, maybe like six or seven years ago, before Unlock and Exit and all these Escape Room games came out, it would have been freaking awesome. It probably would have been my top game like seven years ago. The problem is that all these games did come out, and it doesn't really hold up compared to those in my mind. I love the murder mystery stuff. I love trying to solve the mystery at the end. I think it's super fun, but I'd much rather play something with a little more game to it. And that's the only thing I think holding it up. But again, you know, that that just says how good a list this year's games are. Now, my number 16, I'm going to have to caveat as well, because <laughs> it probably <laughs> should have been lower on my list. Oh. But it's aspirational. It is a game I want to love. It is a game I want to play more of and want to find out what the buzz is about and what people like about it. And that's Marvel United. Oh, okay. I have only played the core set. And I agree with you. If this was a core set review... It wouldn't have been as low as Crady or Nightcage, but it would have been real low. I mean, it definitely would have been below Crime Zoom uh, and, and probably not in the same category. But I've heard so many good things about the different villains and things like that, that I do have an itch to play this game. So I do want to play it and explore it more. And because of that, that's why it's 16, which is funny. <laughs> because it's above Final Girl, which, again, I don't know that it's... I, I can't weigh one way or another whether it's a better game. I just haven't played it enough. Nobody around me wants to play it, but I have interest in playing it more. Certainly, the Marvel theme doesn't hurt it, but at the same time, I think there's more there, and I want to find it. So this is a more aspirational, could be higher on my list, probably will be lower You know, after I do play more of it. It may just drop off again and be like, nope, 
it's what I thought it was. Yeah, it's interesting. The Marvel theme does hurt Marvel United for me uh, in the same way that it hurts Marvel Legendary when compared to Legendary Alien Encounters. Sure. Because when I play a superhero, and I love Marvel superheroes, I'm, I'm an old Marvel comics reader from way back. Like, I want to feel like that hero, and I don't feel like that hero in Marvel United. I don't feel like the hero in Marvel Legendary because you're just, like, putting together some hodgepodge of cards. Although uh, Steve does have a variant where you kind of have, like, one hero that kind of nails you down better. That's for Marvel Legendary, to be clear. Yes, as much as I love, I adore the first two Alien movies, uh, I don't really, like, mind if I feel like Newt or feel like Ripley. Like, it's fine if I'm just kind of, like, doing, like, a crew-based thing there. But, yeah, I feel like the fact that it's Marvel and the heroes are so generic in most ways that it's just a bummer for me. Sure. I mean, the miniatures help. I'm a more of a miniatures guy. I mean, I think this comes down to our love of that as well. And I don't mind the chibi. I actually like chibi. I think they look really cool. Mine aren't painted, but I... I at some point do want to paint mine, even though who knows if I'll ever play the game again, right? I just, there, there is some bling factor to it. And for like 30 bucks for the core set, there's a lot of value in there for the components, but the gameplay is just not there for me. So I don't know. I definitely want to, when I get together with Steve next, because I know he loves the game, like, okay, Steve, show me why you love this game so much. Let's play it. All right. Uh, so my number 15 is Kradia. So it's, again, not like way higher than yours. I agree with you that it's way better for solo, maybe two player. It's kind of like such a interlocking puzzle that it doesn't work that well for higher player counts. And, uh, you know, it's I, I love the variety in the bosses you can fight. But the campaign is just kind of ho-hum, like the way you level up is not that great, but I do love the puzzle of the fighting. Now, I also put the game that's very similar to it above it, which I think also hurts it for me, like in comparison, I just like that game a little bit better. But yeah, Kratia is still a fun time. I'm happy to play it. So that's my 15. Yeah, so my number 15 is Regicide, so not much higher than where you had it. I think I enjoyed the game more than you did. I don't disagree with anything you've said about like kind of learning the tricks and figuring it out and you've played it out. But I do feel like I haven't played it in two, three months now. I feel like I wouldn't mind pulling it out today and just playing a round or two of it. You know what I mean? I I feel like it's one of those, hey, you got a deck of cards. If I was on a camping trip in a place that had like nothing but Monopoly and like normal board games and a deck of cards, I would happily pull out the rules, you know, pull them up online, the rules for Regicide and play the game. I enjoyed playing it. I find the puzzle fun. I mean, not near the top of my list, obviously, but I, you know, I, I, I think there's something there. It's pretty amazing what they did with a deck of 52 cards. Oh, absolutely. It is by far a billion times over the best cooperative 52 card game card game I've ever played, <laughs> which it's the only one, but it's still great <laughs> for what it is. Sure. But I'd rather play it than like solitaire, for example. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll agree with that as well. All right, so Testament is my number 14, which is the one I think Peter and I were both comparing uh, Kradia to. This is another boss battler. Uh, This one also is slightly better with Solo, but I think it is better with two players than Kradia is. It's not quite as interlocking. It has a lot of fun leveling, not as involved as Adventure Tactics, but still a good system. It is a very interesting like kind of mix of crawling and boss battling. And yeah, it's very challenging, like super challenging. And it does fall for me a bit because I feel like there are certain builds that work and certain builds that don't, which makes the leveling not quite as interesting because I might try to do similar things each time. But still, I really enjoy the puzzle, like with Kradia, of the fighting here. And Testament just uh, went slightly higher for me. Yeah, I mean, it is not surprising that those two games are right near each other for you. There's obviously some separation for me, but we'll get to Testament. But this may raise some eyebrows. The biggest, heaviest, most expensive game of the year, 
Descent Legends of the Dark down at 14 for me. Whoa, I have it higher than you? Wow. I mean, it's a story game, right? I yeah, mean, yes, yeah, there's some right. tactical combat, but I don't find it interesting at all. I mean, I think Shut Up and Sit Down did a very good job of pointing out. You just walk up to something and hit it, walk up to something and hitting. For me, tactics is important, and I just don't think the tactics in the game are very interesting at all. The story is fine, but it's not memorable. I'm not thinking, oh, man, I want to know what happened to the elves or whatever. I, the mages, I know there was like a fire or something. I, I, I don't know. There was like, <laughs> there's nothing about this game that like really stood out to me. Now, again, it's in this same group with Crime Zoom and all these games. They're games that are fine. I wouldn't say no to them if people brought them out. But I'm not dying to get them back to the table with any of these groups. So my number 14, Descent Legends in the Dark. And honestly, you know, my number one for that was the components. If it didn't have those components, it would probably be even lower on the list. All right. Interesting. Well, guess what my number 13 is, Peter? Descent Legends in the Dark? That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I agree with you. Like uh, the only thing that kind of kept me coming back, and we haven't played it in a while, but I'd still be okay with playing it. The only thing that kept me coming back was the app and like the little story. I was actually like engaged with the story. I thought it was fun to like find out about these characters. I thought they were interesting characters. But yeah, the mechanics are kind of a letdown. I thought, I've said this several times, but I think Descent 2nd Edition and even Descent 1st Edition are way more tactical. Like a billion times more tactical. And Imperial Assault as well. Like I think this is such a step back in terms of the tactical combat. But I really like that story. It's got cool terrain, which I know Peter cared more about than I did, but it's definitely impressive. So yeah, uh, it d- definitely not a great game, but uh, there it is. Descent Legends of the Dark, my number 13. And maybe it's not such a surprise because it's not like this thing hit with a big splash, right? It's not like everybody's talking about it. You know, you don't barely hear about it anymore. Yeah. Maybe everybody's kind of feeling the same way. I don't know anybody who's finished the campaign. Well, but the thing is, I've heard so much hatred for the app. I am glad that Shut Up and Sit Down said the same thing we did, that, like, the mechanics are the problem. Like, I, I like the app. I think the app oh, is absolutely. well integrated. I just think it's a bad tactical, like, miniatures game. Well, my biggest problem is, like, they tried to be too video gamey with the crafting system. Like, I didn't care about that. Oh, like, so it's such a... Do what every other game does. Let me draw a card, and, like, if I want to repair it, it costs, like, two points of iron or whatever you know what i mean like but it's like it costs 57 of this and two of these and three of those and it's like i don't care i literally don't care yes i I definitely want to feel like i'm playing one of those grindy app-based games where you just like stare at spreadsheets for 20 years (laughs) to play my descent and the weapon when you get it is such a disappointment it's like yeah like five percent of the time you do a status effect that nobody cares about (laughs) yes exactly so it's like oh Okay, fine. I, and I get why they did that, right? They couldn't make one thing so much better that if you got it, the campaign became that much easier for you. Like for difficulty scaling, I get why they couldn't be that exciting, but it's so much work to do that. Like not really, but yes, really. Like so much work to do that <laughs> for the benefit in my mind. So 13 for me is another more aspirational game that I do remember liking a lot. I had to watch reviews of this one, though, to remember the mechanics and, and what I liked and didn't like about it. Oh, I think it. I know what this is then, maybe. So Waste Nights? Second yep, edition? that's what I was going to say. I was like, that is definitely one that Peter would have forgotten that he even played. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I totally remembered I played it and I actually saw it the other day. And I'm like, oh, I remember liking that. I want to play it again. I didn't remember about the mechanic. I mean, it's so early on in the year, right? So yeah, yeah. it's a long time ago and there are a lot of rules and it's pretty heavy and it's very story based. But I do remember liking it I, in my mind. And I know it doesn't play similarly. But in my mind, it's very similar to Dawn of the Zeds, 
which is a favorable comparison to me. Oh, yeah. I like Dawn of the Zeds a lot. So there's a little bit, I, I don't think the tactical puzzles is interesting as Dawn of the Zeds. I think it is more like you're controlling your own character because you only have one character on the board, you're doing things. So, I mean, there are some places where that comparison falls down, but I think a lot of the things I like about it, the tactical choices, the tactical fighting, going to locations, do I heal this turn or do I explore? Do I move around? Like, what do I do to complete missions? There, there was a lot of interesting things there. I think the writing was very good in this one. And I'm not normally a writing person, but comparing it to Descent, I think the stories are much more memorable, even from earlier in the year. So yeah, no, this is one, I like, I couldn't play it right now if we put it on the table, unlike something like Descent, where the mechanics are easy. But I think if I had a quick reference guide, I could certainly play it pretty easily if we put it down. And I think I'd enjoy it again. So again, more aspirational, but this closes off a group from me from 18 to 13. So from Crime Zone to Waste Nights, those are kind of my aspirational games. I want to like them more than I do, (laughs) but they're not quite there. Yeah, and I guess I'm still like sort of in that group with this last one. And then I get into games that I'm like pretty happy to play. And that is The Loop for number 12. This one was a hard sell for me anyway, because it is very much a pandemic-ish game. And what I mean by that is that like you're kind of running around putting out fires while you're slowly trying to build up stuff to overcome like whatever the objective is. I tend not to love those too much, especially when the theme is not that strong and the loop's theme is like quirky, but it doesn't really feel like you're doing what it says you're doing. Uh, But besides that fact, I do think it's a really nice puzzle. I think the card play is really cool. I like the sort of minor deck building that happens in it. So yeah, I think it was pretty good. It didn't go over that great with my family, which again, doesn't help that much for me because that is what a lot of my gaming is these days, especially for lighter games like this. But it's still definitely a good one. It's like the last of the might not want to play that often ones. But uh, it's still pretty fun. So it's interesting because this is a new tier for me. And these are games that I really like, but they aren't going to be my first choice to get to the table. But I really do like them. And I look forward to playing them all again in the future. With that being said, my number 12 is The Loop as well. Oh, interesting. Wow. I think is that our first, that's our first direct uh, match, right? Yep. Even though it's the exact same spot, I think I like it a lot more than you do. But it is in this middle group for me because I have two more groups near the top, which are just like, I think, excellent games. The Loop was a very fun game. I love the Cube Tower, how that works. I think it's just a fun change on things. I love what you're doing. I love the deck building for it. There's just a lot to like about this game for me. I agree with Mike that it's more Euro-y in its mechanics, so more pandemic-like if you want to call it that. But I really enjoyed how it worked. My family did enjoy this one. Definitely one. I'm looking forward to get to the table again. And I know I'll get to the table again. And uh, that's my number 12. And Mike's number 12, The Loop. All right. And now at number 11 is where I put the night cage. And yes, this is bolstered ridiculously by the fact that this is one of my kids' favorite games of last year. They just like playing it all the time. But I also think it's it's kind of dumb, quick fun. Like thematically, it's an interesting as you're like kind of crawling through, like whether or not it actually feels that way, crawling through these uh, caverns. And I like the like modularity of including the guys, especially the keepers that add a bit more strategy to how you like move around the labyrinth. I do wish the rules were better. I don't think it's some kind of amazing game, but it's coming out all the time. And again, this list is more like what I want to play as well as what's a good design. And this is definitely on the one to one to play side. So yeah, number 11, the night cage. Nice. Well, my number 11 was lower on your list. This is Testament. Similar to Cradia, 
which is that it's better solo than it is multiplayer. It's a puzzle, but I really like the leveling in this system. I know you said that there are some builds that work better than others, and I totally agree. The red cards definitely work together, so you want to put them on the same character as much as possible. But I loved how characters weren't locked into anything. You could like spread your red cards out if you wanted to and made it so that the cards didn't have to interact with each other. Because as you leveled up the cards, they lose some of those things sometimes if you choose to go that way you can choose your healer to do mass heals or to do more direct healing on one character and you don't have to have a healer every one of your characters can heal if you really want to so i just love the way that the card combinations work together and especially as you leveled i just had interesting leveling decisions and you'll find for me and you'll see near the top of my list as we get there leveling is very important and interesting leveling is very important to me And so, again, I guess this is more of a personal choice. I don't know that I ever want to play it multiplayer. I I think you're right. I think two works fine. But the character customization in this game is really neat. And it's unlike even Adventure Tactics, which also has great leveling, where you're kind of leveling classes. So every character is going to have to kind of level up similarly to get to a certain class. This way, you could literally build characters however you wanted to build them. And they just have skills. So they don't even have classes and each of the cards works differently. So I don't know. I don't know what it was about this game that hit me so hard. Again, I think it is that leveling and that character customization, but I really like Testament a lot. Nice, man. I'm glad you did. All right. uh, My number 10 is one that shot up my list. Like literally when I made this list a month ago or more, it was like near the bottom. And now it's at number 10, Similo. And that's just because uh, Peter and I have been playing it a whole lot. I played it a bunch of packs. And it's it's just it's so easy to get to the table. It's so quick and fun. This is a game where you just are like given dumb clues and it takes like five minutes to play. But you can still feel clever when you give a good clue. You can still feel clever when you figure out what somebody meant. And if it goes horribly, horribly wrong, you can laugh about it. Now, there's a lot of games in this like category and type that I would play before Similo. But Similo does feel different enough. And it is so lightning fast that I think it'll still get consistent play. So I've kind of surprised myself that it went this high. But Similo is my number 10. And you're not surprised that it's higher on my list. I'm surprised if it's very, very high on your list, because I didn't think you were as high on it as something like Just One, but I guess we'll see. Well, I'm not, but Just One was my game of the year. So, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, it's yes, not... I, I, I would honestly be surprised if Simula's in your top five, but now from you saying that, I guess it will be. So, okay. <laughs> so my next one has some flaws. It was lower on your list already. Mike pointed out a lot of things about it that were definitely issues with the design, and that's Keyforge Adventures. But my love of Keyforge, I love the way you play the game. But yeah, there were some problems scaling, especially one of the missions. I would just never play that multiplayer, that Kirakin one. I have enough fun playing the game solo that it doesn't bother me. When I want to get some Keyforge in and I don't have anybody wanting to play anymore, because now my kids are just addicted to video games and I can't get them to play board games at all, uh, (laughs) then it it fills my need to play Keyforge. I do think the other one is better for multiplayer. And I I think it's fun to play. Like, I don't know. I just think the core loop for Keyforge is just so fun that I think that one brings it up. It fits right in the middle for me. I feel like I want it to be higher, but it probably should be lower. So it's landing right in the middle at number 10. All right. uh, My number nine is Dice Throne Adventures. This is a, you know, kind of sort of dumb Yahtzee game, but not as dumb as it could be because there's some fun card play. There's a lot of variety in the characters. 
not as much variety as I might like in some cases, although the newest sets did uh, increase that some. But this one that I bought into everything for, mainly because my son really loves it, and I have a lot of fun with it too. And I think the way they did the AI-like combat in Dice Note Adventures, the co-op solo expansion, is awesome. I think like it's really simple, it's really straightforward, it's really quick. The dungeon crawls are interesting, the boss fights are epic and exciting. Uh, the one big negative is that I do get bored with a character after playing with them too many scenarios in a row. But Colin and I both play with the house rule where we just switch our character every two missions. Like after we beat each boss, we play a new character, but just keep all the upgrade cards we bought. And it has like nice leveling and nice upgrading. So that's fun too. So yeah, so this is one where like, I think the experience is better than maybe like the true weight of the design. But I also do think that they did a great job with adding solo co-op. Like th- this is one compared to Keyforge Adventures, Everything in Dice Throne Adventures works the way it feels like it should, whereas Keyforge Adventures felt like it was kind of more clunkily added on. And I already enjoyed Dice Throne anyway. It's a competitive combat game. So yeah, this was a pretty big winner for me and my family. My number nine, Dice Throne Adventures. Oh, well, look at that. Second one. We're crossover on. Although, ironically, even though we're in the same portion of our list, I think you probably like this one a little more than me. This is more aspirational on my list than it is absolute love of the game. I, I think it's partially my love of Dice Throne. I do think Dice Throne is very good. I do think the Adventures is a good way to play it, either solo or with somebody if you don't feel like fighting against them. But I do think it gets a little long and samey after a while. That's the only complaint I have about it. And certainly, as you said, I'm not playing with the same character over and over again. That, that part isn't interesting to me. I think it is a good, fun design. And it feels... The best part I could say about it is... On your turn, you feel like you're playing Dice Throne. I mean, that's the cool part is you're just playing Dice Throne and the other person's just playing Dice Throne. But instead of having to hurt each other, you get to fight off monsters. It's a lot of fun. I think it does a good job. It's a little longer than I'd like it to be. And I think some of the stuff it gets a little bit quirky with for such a light game. It's like, okay, I I think you went a little too far here. Like (laughs) just you could have simplified this and, and made it a little bit easier, but it works. And it does work, and I really enjoy it when I play it. So I'm definitely looking forward to getting that one back to the table, too. Dice Throne Adventures. Nice. And uh, my number eight is one Peter already had, which is Waste Nights, uh, second edition, I should say. And yeah, this is one, uh, the first time I've said this, Peter, this is sort of aspirational for me because I really enjoyed this one, and I tend to like narrative adventures more than you do, so that part of it was a bit more exciting for me, kind of like the story aspect. But I also think it's a great setting. I love post-apocalyptic stories. I like especially post-apocalyptic Australia, thanks to the Mad Max series. But the aspirational part of it is that uh, they're coming out with an expansion, and they uh, are, I think, close to done on an open-world-like app where you, like, you can just go around having adventures if you want to play the game that way. So I think uh, there's lots of new and cool content planned. It seems like the team's doing a lot of neat stuff, and I already think it's a great system. So yeah, uh, Waste Nights is a really cool adventure game for my number eight. All right. I am shocked that this next one is higher on my list than it is on yours. I am fully shocked. I thought this would have been much lower for you. So, th- so this is interesting for me, because this is a game I, I quite enjoy, and I'm playing on a pretty regular basis. And that's Kingdom Death Monster. Oh, interesting. I thought it would be way higher. I thought it might be like in your top three. No, it's fun. I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. But if I wasn't playing with Barrett, if I was playing on my own, I probably, I, I mean, look, I like a lot of things about it. I think it is a very fun design. I love the leveling. I love how silly the adventures are. I love how people just die randomly, but you get to keep their <laughs> gear and upgrade. 
but it's a little crunchy for me, which is funny to say, because all you're doing is going around. The tactics aren't really that interesting when you're fighting. You're just going around rolling dice, trying to hit. Now, it's super exciting. I will say that for it. It is much more exciting than most games where you're rolling, just going around, trying to roll D10s and see what happens. There are some choices in combat tactics, like when you use your points. You can do things like dodge to avoid hits or help other people get up so that they can help, you know, in the combat round or whatever. But it's just going around rolling a lot of dice. But I mean, it's super fun. I like all of what it does. But if I had to run the whole campaign and do the town phase and all of that, and first of all, if it wasn't on TTS for me, if it was live, I think that would knock it down some. And if I had to figure it all out myself after every game and Barrett wasn't such an expert at it, I think it would um, knock it down lower for me. So this is one that I probably play more than I enjoy, if that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy it every time I play it. So it's a weird thing to say. But unlike these other ones, which I like, I wish I was playing more. This one's probably one that I play more than like, I'd like to play some of the other ones on the list that I get to play less than I play Kingdom Death Monster. How about that? Well, it's also my number seven. And honestly, a lot of this is kind of like respect more than I would actually play it more. Because I do think this is like a towering design of ambition, at least, and uniqueness. And I love this big glut of boss battlers we're getting now. And without KDM, like it it still shocks me that it took so dang long for people to imitate it. But I think it's because nobody could freaking buy KDM because it costs way too much. Um, So yeah, uh, KDM is my number seven. And uh, honestly, I might've put it lower because I have only played it in person except for like one game on TTS. And it sucks to play it in person. You're like writing all (laughs) over these sheets. And then as people die all the time, you're either ripping up those sheets or like what I would do is I would just erase the sheets and make the exact same character. But I called them, I just started calling them by their miniature. I was like, this is spear guy one. And now he's Spear Guy 2, and now he's Spear Guy 3, and now I'm Spear Guy 8. <laughs> um, well, this is Mike who plays with rocks and sticks for character pawns because he doesn't want to find the right miniatures. No, I, I, I so. use the right miniatures. <laughs> I use the right miniatures. They only have four Survivor miniatures in the base game, I think. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, he was still a Spear Guy. What was I supposed to do? He died. <laughs> nice. But the thing is, like, the emergent storytelling is so amazing. The crazy stuff that can happen. The settlement building is awesome. I know Peter was saying that's kind of like, in some ways, the busy work. But it's also kind of the coolest part of the game. Oh, it is. Absolutely. No question about it. And and again, like, the boss battling, even if uh, I kind of like how other games have done it since. Because I think some games have added more strategy to it and more predictability. It inspired some of our designs that have boss battles in them, and it's inspired some of my favorite, like, upcoming boss battlers. So I got to give it credit. But yeah, it, it, even though it's my number seven, I would probably play it less, like, than going all the way down to, like, my number 14 or 15. And I did sell my copy, so I would only be playing it on TTS. So, yeah, it, it's it's a amazing, ambitious achievement, and it deserves some recognition for that. So, Peter and I, I I'm happy that it is where it is on our list. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's definitely in the top half of these games, like I said, right above Dice Throne Adventures for me, which is, again, it's a one that's a little too long. Like a a KDM night is going to be a KDM night, right? It's like two plus hours to end up playing and do the settlement phase and all that stuff. So I think that's where it falls down a little bit for me. It's a little heavier than what I want. It's a little longer than what I want for a session. I say that, but I play Marvel Champions for two hours every Friday. So who knows? <laughs> who knows what I'm talking about here? This next one, not nearly as long. This is probably going to be much higher on your list. Well, not much higher. We're getting to the top here. Um, this is the last one in this grouping of games that started with the loop, kind of my middle tier games, and that's Warp's Edge. That's your number seven? 
My number seven, yes. So that, nice, that is a solo only game. It's a bag builder. I love bag building. You're building up your ship. You're pulling chips out. You know, it's one of those games where, you know, if you got 30 minutes, whatever else, I think it's easy to set up. It's easy to play. I like the fact that the bosses are very different in it. It's just a fun solo experience and something I can do while I'm waiting for something else to happen. Like if I'm waiting for my family to get ready to go to dinner or whatever, I can just pull it out and play it real quickly. So I think it's got a a lot of stuff going for it and the bag building is just fun i think it does a very good job and it's very interesting how you have to go through the whole bag to go through a loop and then you start all over again with your new bag i think there's some very clever things in there i used to say i wasn't much of a solo player but i've really been enjoying some of the games i've been playing solo lately but this is one you know when you compare it to other solo only games that's you know pretty high and one of the only ones that's really quick that i like enjoy yeah, awesome, man. I'm glad you. I'm really glad. Like some of these games I gave or let you borrow, you enjoyed. Uh, my number six is Micro Macro Crime City. This is the lightest game that is this high on my list, and I just. <laughs> I, I, I've told the story before, but like my son and I was like, "Hey, Paris, and here's how you play." My nine year old, and he's like, "Oh, cool." And then we just did everything for the entire game over the course of two days. <laughs> right. Like, and and not I don't does mean every case in the game. And it's like basically like where's Waldo the game, but like with little mysteries and like you're following people around the city. But we also uh, went online and found every single online case and did all of those and just like had fun looking at the city and like examining stuff and, and kind of like it's interesting to compare this to uh, Crime Zoom, where it's like, is it a game? I mean, eventually you're going to find them, right? And, like, it doesn't even, like, really ask you, like, what happened. You're just, like, kind of following things. And it's basically just, like, kind of, you know, looking. This person walked in this direction. I'm going to go in that direction. Oh, there they are again. <laughs> like, that's it's really just, what... It's so much more clever, though. Yes. Well, dude, it, it's my number six. I'm not I'm, I'm not criticizing it. I'm, I'm just saying, despite all of that, I want to play every entry in the series, like, forever. The right. second it's out, I want to devour it. Like, the only reason I haven't bought it already is because Jerry, our friend, got a copy. And, like... I feel and a I have little a copy silly. Too. Oh, you do? Oh. Well, I'm the first one that got the copy. No, no, dude. I'm I... talking about the new one. The new one. Oh, the newest one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. what I'm saying is like, it feels a little dumb to buy it when I could just borrow it after he's done. But ah, I want to play it like now. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, my number six. And it's like 20 bucks too, right? Exactly. I mean, it's super cheap, super easy to get to the table. And yeah, it's the kind of thing you can play for five minutes or you can play for an hour. Whatever you want to do, it, it'll fit that niche. Um, but I'm not there yet on my list. Um, my number six, this is my second to top tier these are games that are great. These are games that I would play anytime. Super excited to play anytime. I think you'll probably be surprised at one of them that you haven't heard it yet. I mean, there's a lot of things I haven't heard yet that I've thought might be lowered. It's because you hate me sometimes. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not true. That's not true. Everybody else is making fun of your number one. Not me. You'll be actually. Anyway, we'll get we'll get there. We'll get there. For me, my number six is Similo. Oh, OK, cool. And just like Mike said, I mean, it's the kind of game that I just pull out all the time. I bring it with me everywhere. I'm super mad at myself. Don't get the stupid mythic character one like that one. Ah, I wish I hadn't bought that. Like every other set that I've played, I thought was really good for whatever reason. And it's again, so it, it's kind of like buying Marvel code names or something like that or Disney code names. You just have to know the characters so well in order for it to be interesting. Now, maybe, you know, if you had some kind of Greek mythology group or whatever, you know, that people that were just all into the same thing, I think it would be a good group for that. So that's the only uh, downside is I think you can get sets. Like if you're just not super into it, don't get that set. <laughs> I guess I'll just leave it at that. But yeah, I mean, it's just super fun to get to the table. Every time I bring it out, I enjoy it. Even when you lose on the first turn, it's like, 
Why would you put something with that's blue out on the first turn? The only blue thing on the board is, you know, the right thing. And it's like, well, I didn't know it was blue. I was looking at the whatever <laughs> two wings it had. Like, you know what I mean? And like, of course, it was one of the birds. It's just so fun how different people's minds work differently. And I feel a little bit like the mind in the fact that I think you get better over time. I don't know that you'll ever get to the point you get with the mind where you just really do meld more and more every time you play it. But I do think you do get some group thing after a while. And it's just fun to think about or see why people choose certain things. I mean, it's just super silly fun that you can get to the table. People of any age enjoy it. People of any level of gaming like people who say they're not gamers i brought this out in front of and they've had a blast with it there's no caveats to wanting to play this game maybe if they're super heavy gamers maybe it goes the other way right like they wouldn't enjoy it but i brought it out with pretty much anybody and everybody's enjoyed it so similo is a great game that i'll keep bringing to the table for years yeah man great all right, um, my number five is uh peers number 17 and that is final girl and uh, I do wonder, Peter, because remember, like, uh, P- Peter accidentally played the game on sort of uh, an accidental easy mode <laughs> without realizing it for a lot of his plays. I-, I do wonder if that colored your impression of the game a little bit. But yeah, I, I love the horror theme. I love the emergent storytelling of this one. I, I think uh, Hostage Negotiator, I enjoyed okay. But this one takes the system and keeps the incredible tension and excitement of the potential, like, for your die rolls but makes it so much more interesting. I love the modular variety of the different uh, villains and everything, and like all the call-outs to famous horror movies that I've seen. So yeah, if I was not such a horror fan, this would certainly be lower for me, but Final Girl, my number five. Yeah, no, I think you might be right. I, I think that is affecting or coloring my plays a little bit because it does give you more to do. It's just the system. The system, I think, is way better here than it is in Hostage Negotiator. Now, again, I say this with only having played the core game for both. So take it with a grain of salt. And I know people love this system better than I do. For me, it's fine. I think it's clever. I think it's really smart. I know a lot of people really enjoy it. It's just, I don't know. There's something about it that just doesn't hit for me. I think it's a good system and I think, and I think it's fun. Well, no, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just not fun. for Yeah, me. yeah, sure, sure. I get that. I-, I think that's the thing. I think it's a good system. I see the cleverness in it. I see the good choices that people are making. And I'm just like, yeah, those aren't choices I want to make. <laughs> so I think that's the thing. So yes, I do agree. I think Final Girl, I would like better if I had played it correctly, where I didn't give myself a free weapon at the start of every game. <laughs> but to some degree, that was also one of my favorite parts. I'm like, I got this cool freaking weapon I can <laughs> destroy stuff with. So I, I don't know if it would have made a difference one way or another in my final thoughts on the game. But I think it's just for me that that's why it was a little lower on my list. I, I'm fully aware that it's a personal preference on that one. My number five is Paleo, which I feel like will be much higher on your list, which I guess it can't be much higher. At this point, we're all pretty close. (laughs) But this is in that second tier group of games for me. Uh, Paleo is good. And it's just one of those games that tells a story without telling you a story. You're not reading any words. But like you're going on this adventure every time this time I've got to gather more meat or whatever else. And it's like, oh, man, those darn wolves keep coming back. Or sometimes you want the wolves. It's like, oh, I want to get this wolf or you get a wolf as a pet or whatever else. So I don't know. It just it always tells the story. The more content that comes out for it, I think the better, because I do think after a while you do start seeing the same cards as you go through that deck. But each different mission you play is going to introduce a new set of cards. So you're you're going through it in a different way each time. But it's a game I always enjoy playing. I'm never going to turn down a play of it. It's really high on the co-op 
I, I hate to say Euroe because I don't know if it's Euroe, but I mean, it's kind of Euroe. You're gathering resources and doing things with it. So for that Euroe kind of a system, it's the highest game of that type this year. So Paleo, I think it's a good one. Nice, man. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it so much. Um, number four is Warp's Edge. I agree with everything uh, Peter said. This one is just uh, really fast and a ton of fun. I love uh, deck building and bag building, and this one's bag building is always exciting. I like how you kill enemies and get stuff from them. Uh, it's very like pay forward kind of exciting loop of gameplay. And uh, the bosses are super varied. The ships are super varied. I want more content for it. I already bought the expansion. Give me more expansions. I will buy all of them. <laughs> so yeah, Warp's Edge, nice. my number four. I don't have much to say that I've already said about that one. Yeah, and my number four is Micro Macro Crime City. And Mike kind of covered all of it. Maybe it's the non-written storytelling games that I really like because it's very similar. Like you are seeing a story. Yes, it's a Where's Waldo, but you get to watch the story play out on the board, but very quickly. And like, I don't know, for me, I like trying to figure it out. The only negative it has is sometimes it gets that, oh, I'm stuck and there's not really a way to unstick yourself except for just keep looking around for a while. I think there is a clue book that'll finally get you there. But so sometimes that is like, all right, where is this person? And especially when they go in the subway stations, that always drives me crazy. But it is a great game. It is super fun. It wouldn't be number four on my list if it wasn't. So yep, Micro Macro Crime City. I think it's just super fun and very clever. I think the innovation of this one is what has it so high on my list this time. You know, if we get other similar games in the future, they probably wouldn't be as high. But this is the first one to do it. And I think it does it great. And uh, just like you, you sit down and play and you're not going to play one mission. You can play two, three, four in a row. Yeah, really great game. Micro Macro Crime City. Man, dude, I am shook because I'm keeping track of what your choices are in mine. I am shook that... Two of my top three games are also two of your top three games. <laughs> yep. and, and this is my elite list. Yeah. This next group, these top three are fantastic in my mind. Games I I don't think I'll ever not be in my top 50 games or whatever. Like these are just amazing games, these top. Yeah. Whereas I think if I go back to Warp's Edge, not, not even quite Final Girl, but Warp's Edge, like the top four, these are games that I would play anytime. Like, let's yeah. go. I, like, if you were like, hey, let's pause the recording and go play right now, I would play Warp's Edge or these next three. And number three is The Crew, Mission Deep Sea. I hate this game. <laughs> I said this last year. <laughs> yes, you do. I hate this game. I get so mad at it. I hate when people mess up the trick play. I hate shuffling when I play it in physical, like, every 10 seconds. Like, oh, we messed up because we played one card wrong. Let's shuffle the whole damn deck again and deal it out. But <laughs> that being said, I love trick taking. And every time we play the crew, whether it's live or uh, online, we play a lot on uh, BGA, is it? Is that where they have it? Yep. Yep. Yeah, we we, we just play for like three hours straight. And 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 even though I'm like raging half the time, I don't want to (laughs) stop. You know, it's like... (laughs) Watch any of our crew videos on the streaming channel. It's hilarious. Like last time you were like raging. They were like, all right, we're done. We're done streaming. (laughs) I want people to see this. I want them to see this side of me. (laughs) Right. And then we play for another two hours afterward. Like you just didn't want people to like see you raging. But yeah, uh, yeah. like the the rage does not stop the fun. That's a thing. But yeah, so I, I hate the crew deep mission deep sea. And it's my number three game of the year from the podcast list. Yes. And uh, same for me. It's my number three. Oh, wow. Okay. This game is amazing. Yeah, it is so good. Like trick taking is one of my favorite styles of playing games. I mean, I say that, but how many trick taking games do I really play anymore? But it certainly was an influence on me growing up all through college. We played tons of trick taking games every day after classes. We'd get together and play and the crew does a great job. Now, maybe I'm pouring a little bit of my love for the crew into Mission Deep Sea as well. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't know if you need both. I kind of feel like you do, though. Like, the crew, for me, is a better game for people who don't like trick-taking and haven't played as many of these games. And Mission Deep Sea is kind of like the next level version of it. So I have groups that are on both sides, and I do like playing both of them. But Mission Deep Sea, I do think, improves some things over Basic Crew. I think there's a lot more variety from mission to mission than you get in Basic Crew, where you're just trying to get cards in a certain order. I think they do a great job of coming up with new fun tricks to do. But at the same time, I I do find some of it annoying where you've got to figure out exactly how many points worth of missions you're getting and things like that. And sometimes the missions will overlap and you have to discard one of the cards and then find another one that replaces it. So, I mean, there's certainly better and worse things about it, but I don't think you're going to go wrong doing any of them, either the crew or the crew mission deep sea. I think are both fantastic games. Never leave my collection. That's for sure. Yeah, you're right. In, in a way, this is almost unfair. It's kind of like if we like if I reviewed a new Arkham Horror LCG expansion, or yes. you reviewed like one of the Marvel Champion expansions. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, yep, it's my number one. <laughs> you know, it's because yeah, a lot of this is just that I love the crew. But uh, we've switched back and forth between the two, and I love Deep Sea as well. And I agree with you. I think it's in some ways better, and in some ways clunky. So yeah. Anyway, uh, my number two is uh, Paleo. Here's Paleo. And yeah, I love Paleo. Uh, like Peter said, the, the the I agree with everything Peter said. The only thing I'll add is that at least for me, I didn't mind the sameness. I, I have played, I've, I've said this on our Discord, I've played that like basic kill the woolly mammoth scenario, like the simple basic scenario, like 12 times and I'd be totally fine playing it again right now. Yeah, I would be too. And, and it's, it's, it's a lot like Warp's Edge. I just find so much fun in the simple tactical choices turn to turn the excitement of how those choices turn out, and most of all, the ramp up in my own abilities. Like, it is always exciting to build those spears, to, like, conquer your environment, to finally kill that wolf. Like, even when I know it's coming, it comes in a different order. The choices I make happen a different way. The red card I flip is a different red card. So even seeing the exact same scenario, I still have a great time. So Paleo is, yeah, one of my top games, not just of this year, but it's a t- just a top game. We played the expansion on BGA. They have like one mission there. And I love all the new stuff. And I'm just like, please inject this into my veins as soon as you can. Like, ship me this game. I want it from Germany, whatever. I need it. Yeah. No, no. It's it's a super great game. And, you know, it's funny. I talk about sameness, but yet I'll play Pandemic for the 500th time, right? And that's samey every time, too. I think what I meant by that is it's so exciting the first time you see some yes, of that yes, stuff yes. that, like, you get this endorphin high that you want to get over and over again. But then you play it a second time or a third time, and it's the same thing. The tactical choices are great every time, though. You're right. The gameplay doesn't get worse. For me, it's you just don't get that endorphin rush after the first time. Yeah, and I agree with that. That's fair. Which is fine, but the gameplay is so good, it doesn't matter. So, yeah, maybe I should have put Paleo above Micro Macro and make it a top four, but just thinking about it, I do. The gameplay is very tactical, so it's got that end of it, and it's also got the very fun end of it and the storytelling as well. So, for me, great game. Great choice at number two. My number two is going to be your number one, obviously, because we haven't mentioned it yet, which is Bullet. Bullet's a great game. I'm I'm so happy that you like it that much. (laughs) Oh, I've always liked it that much. I mean, again, I I keep going into negatives of some of my favorite games, right? Like, it's funny. I I feel like I'm the negative guy today. But, you know, the only negative is sometimes the bosses can be harder. Like, I wish they told you how hard the boss was. Yes. yes, Like, that's that's the only thing I could think of to criticize the game about. But I love the puzzly nature of it. I love moving these shits around and trying to come up with different cool patterns to, like, 
knock the bullets toward the enemy. I love how sometimes it's a tactical choice. Maybe I don't want to send bullets now because they're going to break a shield or whatever. I love how every character plays completely differently. There's just so much to love about this game. It's a super fun game. I don't understand the people that don't like it. I mean, I guess same as the people who love Nate Cage and they're like, what's wrong with you? Well, the weird thing is, so for people who are on our Discord, like Colin, I think is getting rid of his copy of Bullet. Yeah, it's crazy. Steve wasn't that into it, and, and but but Colin's like, oh yeah, it's a great game. I just don't put it on the table that much, and like somebody else said that too, and I was like, well, but it's, it's so okay. easy to get to the table. It's like a thirty minute <laughs> game. It's so, so quick to play. I don't, I don't want to criticize. They're, they're fine to have their opinion. I'm just glad you and I are on the podcast episode together, being right. <laughs> yes. Yes. And wasn't this our user number one voted of game in the streaming episode as well? I don't remember. I- yeah, yeah, it was. I remember that now. Yeah, in term, uh, people who voted in on the streamed video that Steve and Barrett and Colin and Kim were on, this was the number one game, not for the host, but for our like Discord members who had voted. Yeah, none of them got into it. I mean, if you're not a spatial puzzle person, I could get it. Sure. And especially... See, because the way it was sold originally was it's like this real-time game, which you're doing it real fast. But all that goes away in the solo co-op mode. Like, there's no timer at all. Well, and some people just don't like anime art. Well, that's Jerry. Yeah. Well, no, it's it's not just Jerry. It's a lot of people in, like, the comments of the video and in Discord. And I I don't like way over-sexualized anime art, but I love anime, so I don't mind, like, if a game has nice anime art. And this is not always nice. There's a few characters that are not my favorite art, but still, whatever. Anyway. (laughs) So yeah, I'll just add on Bullets my number one. I love it. Uh, the, the old, I, I will add a criticism, actually, even though it's my number one. I think uh, playing by the rules as written for co-op, you can have these kind of stupid strategies where you kill off characters, like players at the end of the game, just to make it easier to beat the boss. But we play now with a semi-official variant that I heard from someone who works for Level 99 Games, where you uh, have like a shared life pool. With that, it's fixed the only problem I had with the game, literally, besides, like Peter said, not telling us how hard the bosses are. So yeah, Bullet is uh, my favorite game of the year. Uh, and, and not just on the podcast, like it was my favorite game of the year in my like every game I covered on YouTube uh, video as well. So yes, I definitely love this one. Yeah, which leaves my number one as your number, what, 17, 18? It was 17. <laughs> yeah, Adventure Tactics. I love this game. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I think you're lying to an extent to yourself. No, I, you're wrong. I have played it several times since, since we reviewed it. Yes, right, yes. My right. family I, likes it. I did We've not had know. a fun time with it. Yeah, no, no, no. I, this one definitely makes it to the table. Not all the time. I actually thought about playing it today. I almost brought it out today. But instead, I did a stream for you people. For you. I did it for the fan. <laughs> No, but that's because that one's sticking in my mind, too. Uh, Lost Runes of Arnak. So maybe we'll cover that one. We'll have to do like a, a Euro solo episode. Yeah, well, especially after you play the expansion, which is fantastic. I'll let you borrow my copy. Borrow? I'm taking it. I mean, yeah, you, you can just take it. I mean, for those Euro <laughs> games, you know that they can just live at your house and I'll borrow them if I need to. Exactly right. Uh, yeah, so no, I mean, but Adventure Tactics is such a fun puzzle Of all the dungeon crawl games, I think it might be my favorite at this point. Now... Don't get me wrong. There's problems. Like, I don't think the mission design is always good, as you pointed out. I think that there's a lot of ambiguities in the rules. And I'm hoping at this point, uh, like a lot of it, you just play and you figure it out, which is typically bothers me. But the thing is, those fights are so fast. And that's not what I love about the game. I love building cool, unique characters every time. And this has the best leveling system of anything. And it's not that hard to get it done like it's not that hard to to add new cards but every time your characters feel so unique so different it's like oh i'm gonna go for the necromancer this time and next time i'm gonna go for the battle mage and then i'm gonna go for something else oh i don't know that leveling system's so good 
like that's what you're fighting to get back for. And I think the tactical combat's interesting. I think the card play is interesting. Yes, you can sometimes not get cards you need and get knocked out of position, but that's true in any of these type games. KDM is the same thing. You can get knocked across the board and have to take three turns to get back. So I think it does a great job for a boss battler. And again, that leveling system is what brings it back over and over to me. And one of the best parts is it's so simple that my kids can play with me and enjoy it. And so that's the other thing. People have compared it to a family game, but I play this game with anybody. And I don't think you need to play solo, but you can easily play solo and play all the characters. But I think it's fun to just play one or two characters also. So I don't know. I just There's so many things about this game that are so good. I can't wait for the expansion content. Adventure Tactics, my game of the year for sure. Yeah, the only... You know, I feel... This is not about Adventure Tactics, by the way. I feel regret. And this is not my fault. This is your fault, Peter. <laughs> what? Before I called Madara, which is also a great dungeon crawler with amazing, like, build the character however you want to leveling and really cool tactical combat and really good boss battles... I lent it to you so we could do a podcast episode on it. And you were like, ah, I was intimidated by it. I just never opened the box. <laughs> and you just never played it. And I think you got to play it on TTS, like with Barrent or something. Like instead of KDM one day, do a, do a Madara stream. Because I, I think you'll like Adventure Tactics more. I think Adventure Tactics has a smoother and kind of more innovative way of doing the leveling. Whereas Madara is a little bit clunkier. But I, I think you will have a lot of the same things that you love about Adventure Tactics in Madara. But you know me. And this is, again, this is why these lists are personal. I like things where I don't have to work too hard at it. Sure, sure, sure. I could pull out Adventure Tactics right now and play it and not have any questions and not have to look up any rules except how to set up the characters at the beginning. I'm not going to say you'll like it more than Adventure Tactics. I'm just saying you should play it at some point because I think it will be among your top dungeon crawlers once you play it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So for people who know my list, it's usually a lighter game near the top of my list. And this one is pretty heavy for me, actually. You know, when you consider things like Just One and The Mind and things like that, you know, this is definitely heavier than those. But of Dungeon Crawlers, it packs the most tactics into the least amount of effort of any of those games. You just literally play two cards and you're done. You can play move cards, you can play attack cards, like everything is right there on the cards for you. So I don't know, it, just the smooth tactical gameplay, along with that cool leveling system, and just all the unique, neat classes they have, it strikes a nerve for me in a special way. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to go now, because it struck a nerve in a special <laughs> way. So uh, real quick, Peter, I have some statistics for you now that we've done the whole list. Okay, yeah. So we were within five of every game. Our ranking was within five of every game, except for four games. Do you remember what they thought they are? All right, Adventure Tactics for sure. Yep. Cradia and Night Cage for sure. No, not Cradia. Oh, so Night Cage, Final Girl? Yep. And Testament. No, Keyforge. Oh, Keyforge. Yeah, so Keyforge, I was 10 apart from you. Night Cage, I was 8 apart from you. Final Girl was 12, and then Adventure Tactics was 16. That was by far the biggest one. And then we had three games we were directly on. The Crew, Dice Throne Adventures, and The Loop. We had the exact same ranking for those three. And uh, now, Peter, you want to hear the official Mike and Peter best of list by adding our scores together? I mean, Bullet's number one. I know that. <laughs> yeah, let's see. So, number 20, Cradia. That is... Uh, the lowest game for us combined. Yep. Number 19 is a three-way tie. Marvel United, Regicide, and Crime Zoom. Okay. 16 is Night Cage and tied with Keyforge Adventures. 14 is Descent. 13, Testament. 12, The Loop. 11, Final Girl. 10, Waste Nights. Getting to our top 10. 9, 
is a tie between Dice Throne Adventures and Adventure Tactics. So a lot of adventures going on there. Nice. <laughs> Seven is Similo. Six is KDM. Five is Warp's Edge. Four is Micro Macro. Three is Paleo. Two is The Crew. And Bullet by a decent margin is one. Since it was your number two and my number one, obviously. Yeah, so your top games really influenced it. Because I was closer to your top games than you were to my top games. Well, I mean, Bullet and the crew well adventure tactics got dragged down to what number like seven well, that's the only one though i mean your your number three was my number three your number two was my number one your yeah, number yeah. four was my number six your number five was my number two so like we were very close to each other at the top yeah no it's a good list it was a good year for games that is for sure and again not all these games came out this year but overall i'm very happy with all these games not every year i think last year i was like gosh all these games would be below every game the year before right i, oh, I think yeah, that yeah. was last year which is crazy because the crew came out and the crew probably should have been my number one i don't even remember what my number one was probably should have been the crew last year i was so intimidated after everybody made fun of me for my just one love the year before but the crew definitely should have been my top game yeah, of last yeah. year so I, I do regret that but beside that that'll be another thing for another day where maybe we either go back and re-rate these games looking back years later that might be a fun list to do. Uh, maybe we just do it for like five years. You know what I mean? Sure, like, no, that'd be a great way to celebrate five years. Just look back. All right. Do we really feel like, you know, this was really should have been our game of the year? Or um, maybe we just do the top five. Redo the top five from each year. That way it's not a 15 hour episode. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, that was fun, Peter. Thanks for another year of podcasting with me. All right, Mike. Well, have a good one, everybody. And thanks for joining us for another year of One Stop Co-op Shop. And, you know, it's funny. This is a year where Jeff left Ludology, I think it was this year or last year. I think this is the first year he's been gone. And now Dice Tower Podcast announced that it's not going to be around anymore. They're focusing on the YouTube channel. Gonna climb the rankings, baby. So, Nowhere to go but the top. <laughs> I mean, we're, st- we're sticking with it. We're, we're one of the only ones left. I mean, there's like 50 other great board gaming podcasts, but we are, uh, you know, we're going to outlast them all. That's right. Doing it into our elderly years. (laughs) All right, Mike. Well, thanks again for another great episode, and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list. Hey, Mike. Yeah, buddy. Do you know what the five year anniversary gift is? Oh, God, I forget. Is it a bullet? (laughs) It's wood. Oh, God. Glad we're not there yet.